Greetings, Phantomaniacs! Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about Tenebre, Maniac, Mind Warp, and all manner of cycles and poltergeist. I am your host, Demonic Dave, and I'm here to welcome you to this week's episode where we talk to Chad about his new horror obsession. Alright, so that's, I realize we've got a lot of episodes this month because it's a long month the way it breaks out. Uh, I don't know how many voices I'm going to give you and I don't know what the quality is going to be on any of them. But uh, I hope you're having fun. Obviously, I am. We've got this week's episode is sort of the sequel to last week's episode where we continue on. We talked about Stephen King last week. I hope you checked out that episode. It was a whole lot of fun. And we kept Nicole and Chad on and added Ryan to the mix because uh, Chad, who is a movie guy... And not a like horror movie guy, but a movie guy, a film guy, has been dipping into a genre he's never really looked at before, and that would be horror. And he specifically requested to talk to uh, me and Ryan and Nicole, honestly, I think more specifically Ryan and Nicole, uh, about horror movies to sort of dig into what it is that we as horror fans have loved about them our entire lives. Uh, where the balance is between entertainment and quality, and just to to really look at the horror genre from, you know, a, really an outsider's perspective who is now uh, sampling various things here and there. And we have a great conversation uh, about the genre, about, uh, you know, some of the things involved with it, uh, why horror movies get made, and, and it gets a little contentious at a couple of points. But that's okay, because we wanted to have an interesting, good conversation. Uh, And at the end, I think we all got what we were into it for and why it was such a beloved thing. So uh, this is a fascinating conversation and one that I'm really proud that we were able to do here on the show. Uh, Before we get to that, a couple of things I want to talk about. One of them not at all horror-related, but I've got to mention it. Uh, I'm recording this on October the 13th. And today, G.I. Joe Operation Blackout was released. It's a new game for, I think it's PS4 and Xbox only right now. Uh, Possibly PC. I I don't know. I don't pay much attention to PC stuff. So it it may be out there. You can check it out. Uh, I would normally save something like this for the Audible Interlude podcast, but we just put up a new episode last Monday, so you can go check that out. And we've already recorded the Halloween special that's coming October 26th. So I kind of just have to get a little bit of a review out there. Uh, I played it for maybe an hour or so once I got home. 
uh, Phantom Jr. came downstairs and we put on the co-op. It actually has local co-op and it's a horizontal split screen, which I very much prefer. I I don't know why I have trouble with vertical split screens now. Uh, or wait, which one is which? Okay, it's the it's the split screen where player one is on top, player two is on the bottom. I think that's horizontal split screen because vertical split screen goes right up the middle and you've got one on the left, one on the right. I have trouble processing that. It's very difficult for some reason for me to play games like that now. Uh, so I very much prefer the horizontal split screen, especially when we're playing it. You know, I've got the projector down here, so we've got a 98-inch screen or whatever it is, uh, which makes it easier. But in general, uh, I, I prefer that. So that's how we were playing it. We did co-op through the campaign, and it's a lot of fun. We didn't really get anything unlocked. I think he found one hidden item, but we played as Duke, Cobra Commander, Storm Shadow, Roadblock, or no, I'm sorry, Duke, Cobra Commander, and Storm Shadow. Then he had to, it was his lunch break from school, so he had to go back upstairs, and I played through the next level as Lady J with the AI controlling Roadblock. And it's a lot of fun. It's pretty basic, uh, especially the cutscenes are basically like comic books with a little bit of motion. So if you're expecting a whole lot from that, don't. But I really like the style of the art. The voice acting is awesome. Uh, Destro has a Scottish accent. Cobra Commander sounds good. I mean, it's not Chris Latta, but it, it, he sounds good. Uh, Duke sounds... It's that thing where a lot of times, for some reason... In modern cartoons or video games or whatever, they make the main character, they give them a really young voice when they shouldn't really have that. Uh, so Duke's a little youngish, but everybody else sounds great. Baroness has her accent. Lady J sounds great. Uh, Roadblock. All of the voices are very, very good. I had a blast listening to those. Uh, the music is fantastic. It actually takes cues from the uh, cartoon, from the Sunbow cartoon. There's a scene with Cobra Commander where they work in sort of the Cobra cybernetic slither sound effect. I, I wish I could explain it better than that, but if you're a fan, you know what I'm talking about. They work that into the music. I, I Somebody that was overseeing this game knew their stuff to the extent where me, as a lunatic G.I. Joe fan is pleased with the way they're interpreting and doing things. The only thing so far, and this is a, a dumb uh, nitpick, the only thing so far that I kind of had a problem with is the fact that Cobra Commander goes out and runs around on the field. Like, they should have just made it a, a Cobra Trooper or an Alley Viper or something like that and have Cobra Commander just commanding things. There's no reason for him to be running around blasting people. And he's a great character design, don't get me wrong. And these are, by the way... Uh, all of these character designs are based on the G.I. Joe classified toy line that's that's out now. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun. I, I love the fact that it's the, the co-op local campaign mode. Uh, I, and we haven't dug too much deeper than that, but it, it moves really nicely. The only uh, gameplay-wise, the lock-on targeting doesn't seem to work very well. You'll lock on for, like, a shot and then have to adjust. Like, it doesn't track the way other games do. And maybe that's just a design thing because I don't play a lot of run-and-gun games like this. But 
my son plays a lot of Fortnite, Call of Duty, all that kind of stuff, and it threw him off too. So apparently, it's not just the way the that this game is. Like, it's a weird thing among video games. But anyway, that's my uh, little review. Super, super early review. I'll have a more detailed one possibly for the next episode of Audible Interlude. Uh, it's fun, and and I think it was it was either thirty or forty bucks. I don't remember which one. It's not like a full price game, uh, so we're we're enjoying it. And like I said, the two player, it is hard to find two player games that both of us enjoy playing. And this one, I think we both were able to get into and enjoy. So we'll probably play the whole game through that way. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about that as well. So this, this for right now gets the old phantom stamp of approval. Uh, so go check it out. Uh, it's, it's worth, if, especially if you're a GI Joe fan, if you're a GI Joe fan that plays video games, buy this hundred percent, buy this, you will enjoy it. Uh, but if you're all, if you're also just a video game person who maybe has a passing interest in GI Joe or wants just a fun running gun game that looks like it has a ton of different, uh, options as far as like skins and unlockables and stuff, then go check it out. Uh, we we had fun in the like hour and a half or so that we played. Uh, okay, moving on. News-wise, I've still been on vacation for the past few days, so I honestly have not looked at a whole lot of news, nothing to report there. I hope everybody's having an awesome Halloween season. Uh, I can tell you next week we are doing something different for the Needless Commentary. We have decided it's just not practical to get together right now and the commentaries require that we we tried it online it didn't really work so next week we will be bringing you the first needless quarantary uh, where we sit down and review lucio fulci's the beyond so tune in for that next week uh please join the needless things podcast facebook group uh share the podcast go to the needless things youtube channel i'm posting spooky reviews all month long uh spooky toy reviews but i am also throwing in some regular toy reviews because stuff is coming out that i i want to review and get out there uh this week the first spooky toy review was the ultimate big chap from NECA. And I'm also reviewing because it is a spooky character in the proper context. Uh, I have the tales from space, Marty McFly, the target exclusive variant from NECA where he's dressed as Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. Uh, I did that as a spooky review because it makes sense. Think about it. Uh, but I also put up reviews for the new G.I. Joe Retro Collection, His Tank and Awe Striker, because I was so excited for those. I wanted to open them up. I wanted to review them. So even though they're not spooky, uh, I, I just had to get that stuff out there. So there'll probably be more regular toy reviews coming throughout October as well. But count on uh, most Mondays and Wednesdays, there'll be new spooky toy reviews. So go like, subscribe, share those videos. Uh, su support the show, you guys. I do all this because I love doing it, but it would be nice to expand the audience a little bit. Uh, so thanks for listening. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation uh, between people with varying degrees of love for horror. <laughs> It is time for the sequel to last week's episode, The King of Horror. Joining me for this conversation are Chad J. Shank. 
Nice. Hal, how you doing? How you doing? Nicole Gould Cadaver. I still have a lot of names. And Ryan Cadaver. What up? I can't spooky, like. Spooky. Uh, yeah, I can't add spooky stuff to you guys' names because yeah. it's already. Yeah, what there. do you do to? <laughs> yeah, how do you make cadaver spookier? It doesn't work. Ryan Henderson. You can yeah, never, be a, never be a Simpsons writer. He's never a mailman. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this episode, our friend Chad, who's been on many episodes of the show, uh, talking about things that are not horror. Uh, since we've all been sequestered, quarantined, cooped up for the past many, many months, uh, Chad has decided that now is the time to try and figure out what it is about that thing called horror. So you've been dabbling. Uh, well, you've been immersing. You haven't even been dabbling. I've seen a lot of movies. So it's not that I haven't seen horror films in my life. <laughs> I've seen quite a few, but... Uh, but you're right. I have over the past few months. I've been watching a lot of horror films because it's always been a genre that I never truly appreciated. I think part of that, to be honest with you, did get beat, kind of beat out of me in film school. I worked in Hollywood for a long time, so I I, I know movies. I've seen a lot of movies. I used to see three or four movies a week back in my heyday. But horror is a. There's going to be some movies that I, I mentioned that I had never seen before that people are surprised by. They're just kind of these gaps in my film uh, knowledge that I, that, I, that I have. But I also just want to talk about, and just ask you guys, get you guys to talk about what you love about it so much. Because over the years, it has never been a genre that has attracted me. I, always, I, I would always say that I like, a, I, I, I like good movies that happen to be horror movies, but I never would seek out horror films themselves just because they were um and that was for a lot of reasons i came of age during the i don't know if it's the heyday but during the 80s where horror movie just meant slasher movie to me and th those while i can enjoy a, a good slasher movie i i don't love them very much and there's a lot of elements about horror that have always bothered me but i've decided over the last time that just but so many people that i know and respect and who have tastes that I actually, you know, think are okay, <laughs> seem to like horror films. Um, so, I guess what I want to start with, because, start with, is why why? Like, what what is it about a scary movie that you like, when you guys are all of horror, what is, it, what is it about a scary movie that you like more than, you know, why? Well, first, I, the first thing I want to point out, you bring up something interesting. Horror is somewhat of a unique genre in that not many film styles, not many movies from other genres get watched just because they're part of that genre. Yeah. Horror is unique in that... Maybe martial arts, I guess, probably? Sure, sure. But yeah. you go to the horror section and you just pick what looks cool. You're not... And as you evolve in your tastes, you get to have actors and directors and whatever else that you like... But when you're discovering horror, uh, you know, for, for us anyway, back in the day, you just go to the horror section, you pick out something cool because it's a horror movie. And I guess that's a little bit what we're going to talk about is why is that? Yeah, just yeah. What, what is it about that? that, that like, like, I mean, I, I'll admit this here. I have a low bar for Star Wars books, right? 
Like, I, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, if it's Star Wars, I'm probably going to enjoy it. And so I get that part of it. Um, it's just horror has never, you know, and I can list the things that I don't like, that I haven't liked about it over the, over the throughout the years, and we will probably discuss some of those. And I, you know, Ryan, any film Ryan, student worships Sam Raimi. But, but yeah, go, Ryan, since his, you know, go ahead, Ryan. Why, why yeah. do you love horror movies? Um, why is your entire persona based on horror movies? <laughs> I wouldn't say my entire persona. I mean, yes, my name, but uh, in, in my band. But, uh, you know, uh, I I also uh, direct action movies, so, you know, not totally. <laughs> That's true. But true. Uh, That's true. But uh, anyways, yeah, so I, I don't know. I always had that instilled in me. I think a lot of it has to do with, like, my dad was really into it. And I think whenever he had a son, he was like, oh, hell yeah, this is the time that... I can watch all these movies that my wife doesn't really want to watch, you know? Like, I can watch it with my son. And a lot of the stuff, yeah, I probably shouldn't have watched as a kid, but, you know. So I started really early, like, really, really early. And uh, I I was always just drawn to, like, spooky stuff. Like, I really don't know why exactly. I, I will say most of it has to do with, like, going to the video store, like Dave said, and just being like, oh, hell yeah, all the cool stuff's in the horror section. Like, it was just edgy and cool. And, I mean, everything from, like, the toys I liked to the cereals I ate. Like, I got the spooky stuff. Like, that was just my... I was just into it. Like, even more than my dad. Like, my dad was like, wow, I created a monster. Like, I was, like, all into it. Uh, horror video games, everything. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the video store is definitely, like, what really got me into it. Cause I was they definitely rent- had the coolest covers. They definitely had the coolest covers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially, yeah. like, the 80s movies and 90s movies. They just had the coolest art. And uh, a lot of times, the stuff on the art's not even in the movie. Like, that happened very frequently. Like, it would be, like, this awesome design. And then, like, you're like, where was that in the movie? But, uh, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I, I started out, like, renting, like, you know, The Omen. And, uh, like, just last night, we watched Return of the Living Dead 2 which was one that I just rented, like, hadn't seen the first one, didn't know anything about it. I'd seen Night of Living Dead, and I was, like, six or seven. And, uh, yeah, like, I was like, Dad, let's rent this one. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, this is the best movie ever. And I watched it, like, over and over and over again. So I think I just had it instilled in me in an early age, and, and I just was drawn to the horror section at the video store. Yeah, mine, you know, kind of came... Uh, accidentally from my parents, you know, my parents, uh, they, like I said before, you know, they like to read, and my dad was particularly a really huge Stephen King fan, um, so my parents made the mistake of allowing me at a young age to watch a couple of scary movies, and then sort of accidentally introducing me to Stephen King, and once I, I got that, like, feeling of being scared that like it was like I just loved it it was addicting I loved the adrenaline rush um and then you know I I started liking the the gore and the silliness of it and I am a person who you know I, I don't take life very seriously and so a lot of the you know the lower budget sillier horror movies to me was really embracing that side of like not taking filmmaking too seriously and i loved it for that so like there's so many reasons that i love horror you know, uh viscerally and visually and you know on every level it's just it's 
it's been part of me since I my earliest memory. And titties. And tits. Oh yeah, and I, I like tits. We're not going to disagree on that. I didn't know that when I was five, though. We're not going to disagree. We're not going to disagree on the tits. I think for me, uh, there there's so many things. It's honestly kind of difficult to even. Oh, look. I know, of course, of course. Yeah. But horror can be so many different things. Uh, it can be funny. It can be gruesome. It can be truly thoroughly disturbing. It can be action. Uh, it. it it's almost like it's beyond a genre and that it's it's a description of of a a feeling or something i I don't know exactly how to put it into words but you've got everything from serious dark psychological horror like i consider cape fear a horror movie yeah, um, yeah, terrifying. But then at the far end of that spectrum, you have something like Evil Dead 2. That's just ridiculous, over the top. Uh, which, granted, Cape Fear, depending on which version you're watching, and I think both versions qualify as horror movies, although they're quite different. Uh, that, And I guess that's what it is, is it is a category that feeds so many of my desires in different ways there's violence and sexuality and human stories and you know typically there's a hero typically there's a dire situation well there's always a dire situation it's almost like but it's all separate from reality and i think the the escape from reality is part of what appeals to me which is also why i love fantasy it's also why i love star wars uh but there's also a catharsis to it in that you see these characters in these horrible situations and it's not even necessarily about whether they get out of them or not because you can ask thomas jane's character at the end of the mist how well he was able to escape his particular horror (laughs) yeah i've seen Um, that one one. yeah uh classic but it's about seeing these situations and the combination of the knowledge that this will never ever happen to you and the fear that it might happen to you you're you're walking a razor's edge between reality and the most outlandish fears you could possibly have there there's a comfort but also uh it's like looking over the edge of a really tall building and knowing like I'm not going to jump off of this, but I might. But I could, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and and the fear has a lot to do with it, because, like, I mean, since I was, like, exposed to so many, like, crazy horror movies, like, I enjoy watching them, but, like, I was terrified, like, you know, like, I, like, had, like, all sorts of, like, fantasies about, like, Jason and Freddy, like, working together to kill me and, like, all this (laughs) stuff, you know? Like, and, like, I, I, like, I legit was, like, I remember, like, those are some of my earliest memories of being, like, you know, and, like, uh, like, you know, but it was also the thing that was attractive about it. Like, I was, like, oh, my God, I'm so scared to see, like, what's going to happen next, but, like, I want to see what happens next. Like, it's just, like, I couldn't look away. I, one of the things I love about horror is that it can be completely realistic uh, and grounded in reality, um, like a home invasion 
story. Um, that to me is one of the most terrifying things. Or it can be completely fucking outlandish zombie Martians coming down to eat your toes and everything in between you know so it's it's like if you want to be genuinely scared you know, some people are more scared by demon possession movies that doesn't really scare me because to me that's not something that's going to happen to me but like somebody coming into my home in the middle of the night is very scary to me so it's like it's so difficult to to nail down and classify. It's exactly also really it it's also really hard to suggest horror movies to people. Yes. that I, I find this because like there are several things that like I like scare me or at least interest me to where I'm like this is really good, but like some people don't like the campy stuff. Some people don't like slashers. Uh, some people only like like psychological horror. Uh, there's so many different elements to horror and so many different types of horror movies that it's actually, the, to me, the hardest genre to recommend to people. So yeah, that me... makes sense, what you guys are saying real quick. That does make sense because my parents were far more protective about what I watched as a kid. Mm-hmm. And my dad, the first, like, I guess other than Jaws, the first, like, what I would consider like horror film that I ever saw, my dad finally broke down and rented us Friday the thirteenth seven? Is that the one with nice. the lake and the the girl, the psychic girl? That's that basically Jason versus Carrie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we watched that and uh and it was fine. It gave me I think it gave me some nightmares. But like I said, I came about I came I came of age in the eighties, so to me most horror films were slashers, so I think I got a little that kind of got stuck in my head and the great director Howard Hawks uh, his definition of a good movie was, and I think I told Dave this before, three great scenes and no bad ones. And <laughs> I that's love all that you so need much. To, it's, it's all you need to make a good movie. Three great scenes and no shitty ones. And my problem most of my life with horror was that I, I, was, I had a hard time finding the movies that didn't have any shitty ones. Like, you could have some great moments, but the stuff in between, I know people complain about it all the time, but it's not entirely without merit. That the stuff in between, the acting and the writing, the production design, sometimes that stuff just would really get in my way if I was watching uh, that type of film. But again, I didn't grow up. I think the next thing I saw was pre- pre- probably the Dream Warriors. It was probably mm-hmm. the next like, horror great, film that I saw. One. No, and I and I, I enjoyed them. And again, I still enjoy some of those films. But as I got older, I just never. I just looked around at my friends that were horror fans and they would chase them. Like, Dave posts on Facebook every, like, it feels like every day that he's watching a new movie I've never heard of. Or, <laughs> well, that, is, that, is new, that is new, but he's watching it, because it's mostly, I would, I, I would guess, because it's a horror. So what are your views on stuff like The Exorcist and, like, like the ones that are widely considered good? Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I do enjoy those films, but I enjoy those films because of the... Like I said, I, I have no problem... I've never had a problem with a horror film in the past that was also a good movie. The Exorcist is also just a good movie because yeah, it doesn't great, have that. Because yeah. it doesn't have, to me personally, same reason why The Shining or even Halloween. It doesn't have. It doesn't have that shit. In, it doesn't. It, it has the greens, and then it doesn't have nearly as many bad ones. And so yeah. that's why you know stuff like uh, Sounds of the Lambs and things like that. That's why when I was asking for recommendations of things recommendations of things to watch. I was like, please don't tell me to watch Halloween or Scream or The Exorcist, because I've seen all that. <laughs> I've seen I have seen a lot of horror movies. But what yeah. I haven't been able to do is like really appreciate the the um the B movies. 
the or B the, movie or the yeah. C or the Z or whatever. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, stuff like that. But I, I said when I start talking about it, there's going to be some movies on here that it's pretty that I would people a lot of people I talked to were surprised that I hadn't seen. Well, and, real real quick, I want to establish a baseline here, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm going to ask a question, and I want everybody to answer with the first thing that comes to mind. And we will revisit it later, and you can give me an answer that you've had time to think about. Okay. But with this question, just whatever pops into your mind first, I want you to tell me. Um, we'll start with Nicole. What's the scariest movie you've ever seen? The Strangers. Ryan? The Exorcist. Chad? United 93. Ooh, yeah, I can't even argue that. Uh, for me, it's E.T. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, I'm, I'm right there with you. I hate that movie. It, I'm right there with you. It, it is, uh, and, and those are all, uh, just because United 93 happens doesn't make it not a horror movie. And I think that's yeah. another interesting aspect of this is what... What does it take for something to be part of the horror genre? Because you have Academy Award-winning films. You have things that have widespread acknowledgement, like we were talking about with The Exorcist or with Scream, where general audiences agree that they're good movies, yeah. but United 93 is, is something entirely different. Nobody, it's a drama. It's technically a drama. Yeah, nobody yeah. would call it a horror movie. But if it hadn't happened and you filmed that same movie, I think it could fall into the genre. Yeah, have you ever seen those trailers where they'll take a movie that's not a horror movie, but they change up the music and shit, and the way they edit it makes it feel like a horror movie? I love that. No, and it's 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 clear. It's good to point out, I actually, I'm a little bit of a purist. I kind of only really believe in two genres, and that's tragedy and comedy, and everything else is just kind of setting. But but horror does has always kind of stood outside of that for me because it has uh and and again i don't mean to offend anyone this it it, it, to me horror is is in the same vein as pornography and in in this way it is designed at least some of them to create a visceral reaction in you right yes and it is designed to pull out a certain visceral animal feeling Right, whether it's feel, fear, or being horny, whatever it is, those and are my two favorite genres. It's the best. <laughs> but I think that well, that can be said about a lot of great art, though, that it's designed to create a visceral it is. reaction. It is. But my my argument was that to me, though, just like with pornography, so many, and again, it's probably just me seeing the wrong films. But just with like with pornography, so many times to me, it felt like I was sitting through. And I'm not talking like today's porn where it's like, you know, two to six minute clips. I'm talking about like old school, you know, 90s porn. Like new wave hookers. Yeah. Where you would have to sit through a lot of bad acting and a lot of bad writing to get to what you were there for. To get to the money shot. Yeah, to get to the money shots. And that's what what at least slasher films always reminded me of. Although I do have a slasher film I want to talk about that I think has kind of a different, that's that's an older film that has kind of a, has a twist to it. Here, for, for me personally... And I'll be interested to to hear what yep. Ryan and Nicole have to say about this. Um, I I would go so far as to say that I have trained my brain to 
appreciate the portions of horror movies that are, as you would say, not good scenes. Right. And yeah, to I, take I them... Love right. I, I think I have, you know, growing up in the 80s and and with Jason and Freddy being pop culture sensations and because yep. of their financial success, so many other things, you know, came in their wake. Uh, I, I just think think that and you know as i've gotten older my i my tastes have evolved or devolved or changed or or grown in accordance with the different things that i've taken in over the course of my life and so now at this point in my life when i sit down and watch something like friday the 13th part six well six is good yeah, six is my favorite. Well, and here's the thing, is I could look at any of those movies, and if you were to put me on a podcast where my job was to talk about how shitty the Friday the 13th franchise is, I could do it. If you were to put sure. me on a podcast and tell me my job is to talk about how incredible that franchise is, I could do it. So, rationally, right. I recognize the faults, but I embrace them and love them and take it as part of the experience of those kinds of movies that are different from Silence of the Lambs or Exorcist or or the right. highbrow horror, whatever you want to call it, Us, Get Out, stuff like that. No, I, I agree. I, I would like to say that I don't think... I've, I've, I've enjoyed most of the movies that I've watched over this past couple of months. There's been some I haven't, but I've, I've enjoyed quite a bit of them. And I think, funny enough, I don't having the same attitude that you just expressed, I don't think I could have had that until now in my 40s. Because I think as someone, as a filmmaker, as a writer, I do take all that stuff very seriously, right? I do take filmmaking seriously, yes, I still do. Absolutely. And and so I had to get to a certain point in my life where, uh, and again, like I said, I always enjoyed always enjoyed a good Sam Raimi movie, you know? Loved Night of the Living Dead, loved a lot of, a lot of stuff when I was a kid, but... I had to get to a point when I was a little older and was able to let go of some of those pretensions um, and and be able to enjoy, if not truly enjoy those scenes, at least appreciate them <laughs> or appreciate what they're what they're trying to do. Well, it's um, it's it's its own artistry. And, and uh, yeah. you, the word pretension is perfect because yeah. last night I watched for the first time since it came out on VHS, I watched Stephen King's Graveyard Shift. I fucking hated that movie the first time I saw it. One, because it departed from the short story a little more than I really wanted it to. But two, because it's so ridiculous and over the top and Brad Dourif's character is utterly unnecessary and I didn't understand why he was there. And I watched it last night and that movie is so much fun. It's so ridiculous. It's everything I hated about it before. I love it now. And it's because before, when I saw it, I had this pretentiousness where I couldn't appreciate all of the ridiculous things about the movie. I couldn't appreciate the fact that, like, oh, well, they left out all the... The, the sub-seller is, like, not barely even there. Now it's a fucking underground castle, and there's only one giant monster rat. And I couldn't appreciate the fact that this giant monster rat rolled all of the horror into one creation that for the purposes of a movie this guy right. needed to face down if that movie had been if that movie had come out in 19, I think it was 1990 and at the end 
the the worker had thrown the foreman to the giant queen rat and then been devoured by rats as he ran away. That would have been a shit. Nobody would have liked that movie. Everybody would have hated yeah. it. So now I can appreciate that. And then Ryan and Nicole, that's what I want to ask you guys about because I feel like you guys managed to avoid that pretension that Chad had because of his schooling and because of his desire to with filmmaking and that I had because it just took me 30 fucking years to figure out who I was. I feel like you guys kind of avoided that. Did you have a time in your fandom where you turned your nose up at things that you like now, or have you always kind of taken things as they are and, and known yourselves well enough to appreciate things like that? Um, I, I have always been a lover of the ridiculous. Um, I I have a very low pretension level. I mean, I, I do occasionally get pretentious, but it is usually about movies that no one in the world would be pretentious about. So I, I don't know if that counts. But um, like the like the Aunt Dick movie. Well, I don't Let's know if I would be pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> I understand why people hate that, um, but no. Uh, I like I said I've I've never taken life very seriously. I've never taken myself very seriously, and I absolutely love I, I love to analyze how fucking ridiculous life is and the world and how most of this shit doesn't doesn't really count for anything. So I I just am a laid back person always have been. And so I think it really allows me to take something for what it is like i don't expect uh jason takes manhattan to be the exorcist right i expect it to be jason takes manhattan right like it's not trying to be something that it's not um and generally movies like that... a good movie yeah, exactly. yeah, here, that's my problem with that is why why not try to be at least a why not try to be because they have nowhere near the budget. Yeah, and that's no, not budget. Does, you you know, budget you doesn't. Know? Budget doesn't. Uh, budget doesn't have anything to do with writing and acting. Well, here's yeah, but, but they could only put them in Manhattan for like ten seconds. That's what I mean. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like, like that's always been my question with horror films was why it always felt to me personally that what you're talking about is that that they never. Not never, but because they would say things like, and I, I agree with you, that you know, this Friday the 13th movie is not Silence of the Lambs. Great. But my question would always be, but can't you try a little bit? Well, here's the well, thing. Here's, here's my, I think, part of the magic of horror and, and part of why I love it. Uh, if anybody who's been listening to this show for any amount of time knows that I love pop culture, uh, I love commercialism, I love licensing, I love shit like that. And horror, in many, many cases, represents this perfect intersection of art and commerce. And to me, something like Friday the 13th Part 8, that was going to be made because Friday the 13th is a lucrative franchise that's worth money. That's why that movie was made. It wasn't made because somebody had some grand artistic vision of Jason Voorhees traversing the streets of Manhattan. It wasn't made because somebody had a great idea for a story. It wasn't made because they were able to sign a specific actor to be in it, and they thought, oh, this will be a great opportunity for for Angie Darlington to meet up with Jason Voorhees. Like, 
none of those have anything to do with why that movie was made. That movie was made because people wanted to make money. And so, also, it's okay to be bubblegum sometimes. Yes. You know, it's, and it's okay to like that. It's okay for something to be fucking mm-hmm. brain candy or eye candy or like, so, whatever. Like, I don't uh, like, disagree with any of that. Yes. So, like, I, I don't the know. Two teeny- sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, there, there's just, there are some movies that I watch. Like, we watched this movie called Raw Force, and it's about these, like, this team of, like, ninjas that go to an island with, like, uh, ancient fallen warriors that come back as zombies, and they have to fight them. It was ridiculous. But I was like, we were watching it, and we thought it was going to be terrible. It was, like, one of those that we watched because we thought it would be bad, which is another thing with horror fans that we do yeah. to ourselves on purpose. Uh but like we were watching it, and I was like, man, it's gonna be so bad. It's gonna be hilarious. We'll drink a couple beers and laugh, and we're watching it. And I'm like, whoa, some of the like some of the shots in this are really good. Like some of the acting is really good. Like they did a whole lot with no budget. Uh, so I, I just wouldn't say like even some of these that are like not trying to be some serious grandiose movie. A lot of them still have some real talent behind them. It was really even if enjoyable it is to a, watch. Even if it is that's, a ridiculous... That is absolutely, that's, that's absolutely true, but Dave, my only counter to your point is, um, and I, I know it's a money thing, but like, they make Mission Impossible monies to make mo- money too, movies to make money, and they have right, the but scenes that's that aren't just Tom Cruise hanging off things. Because the whole... Right. The reason... The Friday 13th is a studio movie. The reason studios make horror movies is because they are able to invest very little yes. and yeah. get a big return... Because people will go see it because it's a horror movie. And I will admit that's also has been a strike against them for me in the past as someone who was working and trying to work as a screenwriter. Is that if that it seems that horror was so much easier to get made um, than anything else. It's you know? because and some because random unknown horror movie that can be slotted into the horror yeah. genre is going to do better than some random unknown independent drama that yes, can't be slotted. Uh, that's yeah. just a fact because people yeah. go see horror movies. And yeah, as someone I'm who sorry, would if, much if rather it's make between movies. like you know, I, I'm gonna go see something that's exciting and fun and bloody and titties. Or I'm going to go watch somebody sit in a black and white room and cry because their mom didn't love them enough. Right. You know? I'm, I'm going titties. Yeah. And so it, many independent dramas are fucking snooze fests. At least horror is fun and not interesting. All, not all, okay. Okay. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. There are plenty of independent dramas that are great and a lot of horror is garbage. So let's, okay. So let's, like, let's well, not, and, because and, here's the thing is, I'm that guy writing. I'm not going to write someone sitting in a room crying for an hour. But. I would much rather make that film. And so I do have resentment towards the genre and professional. Yeah, but and I have because... a little bit of resentment for people that think that they're too good for horror, too. Well, not, I not think... Too good. Not about being too good. Here, here's where that comes in, though, is, again, it's all about money. And where the money comes from is your mainstream popular audience, whatever you want to call it. And Joe... And Joan Q. Public are more likely to spur the moment decide they're going to go see Friday the 13th Part 27 than they're going to go see, and I hope everybody gets this reference, than they're going to go see Gay Cowboys Eating Pudding. Uh, yes. (laughs) Gay Cowboys... Okay, uh, fine. The Gay Cowboy movie was really good. But, uh, <laughs> Cowboys Eating Pudding is different. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is a reference to you, South Dave, Park. The actual, the actual yeah, Gay yeah, Cowboys movie was a huge hit. So. Yes, but in general, uh, 
No, the... I get it. No, I, I get that it's about money. I completely understand that. Um, it's like I said, my it just came from the fact uh, my early days of it, it my resentment came from the fact that if you weren't trying to do something like that, if you don't have the that muscle, right? Yeah, I mean, if you don't thankfully... have the muscle to make horror, then then you know it's it it's uh, it could it, at least when I came into, into the industry, it was kind of frustrating because we were it was I got there in '99, so we're still in the yeah the and and that I kind of self-aware way. The early 2000s horror, like, had some really rough stuff. Like, it was some really bad crap coming out. And uh, I worked at a video store for a while, and, like, there was, like, a straight up, like, a couple years where, like, every horror movie that came in was just trash. Like, they were just churning them out. They didn't care what they were. So, like, I totally get where you're yeah, coming and, from. And that's, and that's exactly when I was in Hollywood. Yeah. Trying to write. And yeah, and that I could see how that would be frustrating because like you're not, like putting your heart and soul into stuff, and people are getting giant crocodile part six put out on, on <laughs> DVD. Yeah. I uh, you know I've told this story before, but I, I pitched this, a show to the Sci Fi Channel, and um, uh, they told me it was too sci fi for them. That's a whole other story, but um, <laughs> I believe well, that. that they, no, they flat out did. They flat out did. I, I pitched them a show, and they it was I was trying to replace Battlestar Galactica. Like they were they were looking for shows to replace Battlestar. It yep. was ending. And I went in and pitched the show, and the dude said, Chad, I love it. And if I would, and when he said, and if it gets on the air, I'll watch it, but I can't make it. And he's the head of programming. And I, and I said, why? He goes, it's too sci-fi for us. And I swear, I did bull take it. I looked up at the thing on the, on the, on the wall <laughs> and looked back down at it. And, but when I left, I said, um, hey, you guys still making crappy monster movies? Because I've got all my old D&D books. I can write one of those this weekend. <laughs> and he said, we're not, we're not cut to a few years later, Sharknado. And a movie like a Sharknado infuriates all of my friends. I, I'm not a fan. I only need a fraction of a budget like that to make something that I want to make. But anyway, so that's, a, that's a whole personal well, thing. Here, here is another element of that is that horror very much represents instant gratification. It's a visceral experience that you sit down, you watch the 90-minute movie, and you get everything you're going to get out of it in that 90 minutes. It makes you feel good or bad or gross or whatever, whereas a more thoughtful piece, uh, you know, the, the, the stereotypical independent film leaves right. you thinking. It, it lingers with you, and it's a more... It asks more of you than the movie about the guy that cuts people's heads off with a hedge tripper, hedge trimmer. Um, that's true. Although and, I, I am a fan, although I am a fan of Dead Alive. So well, and that's they're they're just different level of engagement. And I think for the general public that that sit down instant visceral experience is generally more desirable than the thought provoking. Uh, no experience. I, well, you know, and I, I think that you guys are, are are really like dumbing things down a lot, um, and and no one has brought up the fact that you know horror is a valid escape from the actual stress that we deal with in our lives. You know, by by just saying oh, it's just John Q. Public is going to throw his five dollars at this shitty horror movie. Uh, you know, I I. Um, I Remember, love Nicole, I'm here. To I'm here to talk about a bunch of movies I liked. So don't get too mad at me. No, I mean it's just that. <laughs> I'm here to talk about know, movies that I like. A lot of the reason that I love horror is because 
it is a mental escape. It's something that is fun that that isn't going to, um, you know, in some ways, you know, if you're going for actual fear, it stresses you out, but it's an escape. And also, if something is genuinely frightening that you're seeing on film, um, it, it's a way to say, well, at least that's not what's happening to me. At least right I don't now. have an axe in my face. But there's, so, I mean, it does so much for us psychologically. Watching horror actually does positive things for us psychologically, uh, and I think that that's something that we should, you know, reflect on as well. It's not just, oh, you're dumb, so you'll go watch the easy. Well, thing. I mean, sometimes that is the case. Yeah, and that's okay too. Like I said, yeah. bubble gum is fine. But it does other things for us psychologically as well, uh, you know, in, in a healthy escapism way. I, I do think um, recently there have been a, a really, like, steady thing of, like, like good quality kind of art house horror movies that have been popping up. And that seems to be, like, where shit's going, which is super cool. I'm all about that. I loved, like, I loved Midsummer and Hereditary, and uh, I loved The New Invisible Man. I put that on that level. Uh, Get Out was great. Us was great, so like, there's like some really quality shit coming out recently. Yeah, I agree with all those things. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I, what, what I wanted to talk about was that I have, what I have been doing over the past few months watching these films is I have been finding even in the films where maybe the acting wasn't up to snuff for me or the writing wasn't up to stuff for me, what I've been able to do is find the things that I do enjoy in them. Hell yeah, and, and that's what the the key is to me um i'm i'm never going to uh and i'm probably never going to enjoy the dialogue between two camp counselors uh, <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for me to get excited for that but i totally get that but the thing that has always made the, the things i've always made the horror movies that i have liked in, uh in the past with is innovation and that's where horror gets exciting to me uh, uh that's what like the first evil dead is so exciting because the innovation it's why the early peter jackson stuff is so exciting. Um, and the first movie I wanted to talk about real quick, because a lot of people were surprised I had never seen it, um, and this is a movie I think is full of innovation, is uh, Reanimator. Yes. I have never seen Reanimator before. And uh, that movie's fucking dope. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is the best Frankenstein movie this side of Mel Brooks. Um, <laughs> and although it's kind of like, I know it's supposed to be Lovecraftian, but it just kind of felt like Frankenstein meets weird science. But... Um, it was kind of cheesy, and but in the right ways this time for me, right? And the yeah, acting is that. not the acting's not spectacular, but I but it was but for the movie they were making, it was right. Well, it's it, it's supposed to be comical. It's supposed to yeah. be over the top. It's like uh, that Evil Dead level of like mixture of like humor and horror, yeah. which I, I love that genre. Yeah, and yeah. you know Jeffrey Combs plays it so incredibly straight. Yes, that he's it very turns good. the he's corner and and he is is comical um, yeah. because he's such a straight man and yeah that that movie is I, I I'm, absolutely adore. I'm it. also glad that it's not more Lovecraftian because I read this uh, the short story it's based on and it is super racist. Well, yes, and, well and that's boring, Lovecraft. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, was the, was Stuart Gordon the only director to take Barbara Crampton seriously as an actor? I believe that's accurate. Yeah, because. Because I watched a couple Stuart, Stuart Gordon movies, and it seems like she was the only one that he. That, or it's the only time I've seen her like, yeah, she still has to get naked, but she's. But he also gives her other stuff to do. 
Have you have you watched uh, From Beyond yet? Yes, I have watched. I okay. have watched From Beyond. Yeah, love that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, fantastic. It's really cool. I didn't. I didn't put it on my list just because I was trying to. I'm trying on the list that I. I mean, I have it, but I tried to get different types of films on the list um, to talk about. And Reanimator was one that did remind me of my early days of watching Evil Dead or Dead Alive. Well, it's. A, um, I mean, it's a bunch of theater nerds who got together. Yeah. and made this horror movie that was like nothing else that had ever been done no and it's clever and the uh the practical effects are amazing mm-hmm. you know uh, and, and and no i really enjoyed it and i told someone i hadn't seen it and they looked at me like i was crazy and i'm like sorry it came out in 85 and i don't watch a lot of horror movies so i hadn't seen reanimator uh i watched bride of the, Re- bride of the reanimator didn't care for it too much it was fine um, yeah bride of the reanimator is fun um you know i was not prepared for the I was not prepared for the head with the bat wings at the end. <laughs> it's really not an image I needed. It's one of the one of my favorite parts about it. Honestly. Oh wait, it's, it's definitely the best part of the. It's definitely the best part of the movie. I just wasn't prepared for it because um, it was a little off. But no, I really enjoyed. I, I again, this is a film that in two thousand five I would have probably just not even watched. You know, because it just would not have appealed to me. Um, I was that guy trying to make those Oscar movies. So, so. The, yeah, is is part of what appeals to you about Reanimator specifically? Because th- this is one of the things that I love about horror is is the passion that's involved. Even when yes. even when it's a money grab, I can recognize that a lot yes. of times you've got entry level actors, directors, special effects artists. You've got people who they're maybe they don't maybe they're not 100% invested in this project, but they're 100% invested in filmmaking and in their careers and in what they're doing? Yes. Uh, having made movies, you get a new appreciation for how hard it is to make them. And uh, and I think, I think the difference to me is, yes, I can tell, at least to me, Reanimator doesn't feel cynical. Right? It does feel like you're talking about... Um, a work of passion by these people who just wanted to make this cool low budget movie. Yeah. Right. It's very, and and that, yes, exactly. And I can then, and and if I feel that I can then appreciate the hard work that went into it. Even if I, I find, you know, maybe listen, not every practical effect holds up, but I appreciate the artistry that goes into making those practical effects. And I understand how diff it was just to make that little movie. Right. And I, I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a lot of fun to the point I said, where I watched the sequel and, I haven't watched the third one yet. Um, um, I, w- I would like to make a quick recommendation since you seem to like some of the more ridiculous kind of like over yep. the top uh, practical effects movies. Uh, 1986 uh, movie called House with William Cat. It's I on think, my list because Dave put it on my list. I yeah, that's House what, is fantastic. That, that's one of my favorites, and like it's yeah. kind of in that genre of like Dead Alive, Evil Dead, uh, Reanimator. At least I put it in that same. In, in yeah, that same I, group. I agree with that. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Because as a filmmaker, you're attract. I, I find in, in in a movie like Reanimator, like I said, I just found myself attracted to the innovation, and and like yeah, yeah, like you said to the creativity and the 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 spirit of it. Um, is it a movie I would make? No, but it's a, but I could tell that the people making it are uh, busting their ass and that they are trying to do new things. And that I find really cool, um, especially on a, uh, on a low budget. And like I said, I I mean I'm not listen. The original Frankenstein is fine, but if you've watched it in a long time, it's actually pretty fucking boring. Um, but this I think, is Bri- like, I, I think Bride's better actually. Oh yeah, Bride, Bride, Bride of Frankenstein is, is far better. Bride is better, 
But this was like the best Frankenstein movie. And I watched Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein just for the second time, I think about a year ago. Woof. Um, but uh, <laughs> that movie is long. That movie is so long. Um, but so this was the best. Um, the other thing I had asked you guys about was Italian horror. Um, uh, Italian horror, uh, giallo films, I guess. And uh, the first one, I guess I'll bring up... Listen, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a newbie at some of these, so I guess I'll bring up the easy one. Deep Red was fucking rad. Deep Red is absolutely fantastic. The music, the the score, the, the score is amazing. In that movie is unpar. I, I love it. It's absolutely fantastic. And it's uh, I'm a big Tarantino fan, and I'm also a big fan of like collecting where Tarantino gets his shit. And the use of music in Deep Red so reminds me of the Kill Bill. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, there's a lot of sequences. The way that the way that that goblin score would kick in whenever the, we were in the killer's point of view mm-hmm. um, was I thought super awesome. Uh, again, I like it when it's it's just super stylish, and and that's the other that's another thing I can enjoy. You talk about eye candy. I can totally enjoy eye candy. I don't think films have to be narratively compelling as long as they can keep me invested uh, in. I think visual is completely a legitimate way to do it, and um, just why I love like Sergio Leone western so much, right? That the, most of it's just spectacle and just just coolness. And, and um, I'm also a big fan of uh, Italy and uh, Rome, especially. I've been several times, so any movie that takes place there, like I like just watching them walk around uh, in it. But uh, I thought now is the is this where the pair of killers things kind of comes from? Because I noticed in a lot of these Jalo films, a lot of them are women killers. There's several that have like women as first, and then also a lot that have like partners. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's because I always not... felt that was a cop out and scream personally. But you know, I mean, I don't really see it as a cop out. I just see it as like you know they like to do. Um something a little bit different and something, you know, they, they kind of were before their time with the twist thing, you know, I know they're all about the black gloves. I know that. Yeah. Yes. You know, it was all about color and, and sound, um, you know, particularly Argento, um, was really big on, on color. I, I love Argento, um, but because I am so brow, uh, I am a Fulci girl. Um, I, I just I, I love how incredibly over the top uh, the Fulci movies are, um, but I appreciate the beauty of Argento at the well, same what time. I, what I liked was that it, it it was it was so stylish, and it one of my favorite looks of film is this 1960s to 1970s European film stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it was a Fuji film. Uh, and so uh, it, it has a very specific look. It's one of my favorite film looks. And so even if it's in a horror film from Italy or an art film from Italy or a comedy from Italy or a French gangster film, it all has the same look. So I was immediately attracted to it because of that, because it just had the right look. Um, yeah. And, and uh, it's just it's just oh, the way that it's just it's just so lush and uh, it's gorgeous. Um, but uh, yeah, I. I I really enjoyed that one. I I enjoyed the Fulci that I watched. I don't. What Fulci, did you watch? Uh, what did I watch? I watched Beyond. That's my favorite. And I watched Zombie. 
Yeah, oh, zombie yeah. love zombie. Zombie yeah. is the most popular, the most well known, and for a reason. It's and I'm still working my way through. Them. I'm still working my way through them. Uh, they were a little too gory for me, and it's not that it turned my stomach. I felt that they were. I either want my gore to be like uh, the dude going through a pack of zombies with a lawnmower, or in uh, like in Dead Alive, uh, or like something like Evil Dead. I, the Fulci movies like. For me personally, they walked a line between over-the-top gore and realism. Like, they were over-the-top gore that was happening to, like, real people and close-ups. And <laughs> that stuff didn't appeal to me as much. It bothered me. It just didn't just didn't sit with me. It just didn't appeal to me as much. I didn't enjoy watching that. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a gore much. fan, and, and, like, yeah. to me, you know, Fulci is one of the uh, masters of gore, obviously. Yeah. We talked briefly before when we were off the air about the eye trauma thing, which, um, you know, has been talked about ad nauseum. But, yeah, he, he loves a good eye gouging. That fucking, that fucking spider scene I'll never watch again. Never yeah. I, to this day, have trouble watching the part in uh, Zombie, well, Zombie 2, Zombie, um, yeah. with, with the shard of wood through the eye. I have to kind of watch it through splayed fingers. Um because it just makes my it make my skin hurt, you know. I just it's yeah. it's a lot. Um, yeah. But uh, there's just something about Fulci and how like over the top with the gore, but yeah, it's just like just makes your hair stand on end. When I think of Fulci, I think of green oatmeal. Green oatmeal. <laughs> I I don't know why, but there's. Because to me, green oatmeal, and I don't mean like dyed green oatmeal, I mean like unnaturally green oatmeal, there's there's a thick grotesqueness to what he does mm-hmm. that's different from how anybody else does gore. Um, yeah, I mean, in uh, City of the Living Dead, um, that scene where, where she's like, puking up her insides it's so it's it's viscous and and heavy and just chunk i mean like yeah giant chunks of of you know innards um and and it goes on and on and that scene just like you know it feels like it's about seven minutes long and um i mean i think it's one of the most like intense scenes in that type of movie it's it's so much i love it i love it but it's a lot (laughs) no it it is uh so i i'll get back to italy in a second i think but i wanted to bring up a movie i thought was an oddity um and i don't know what the consensus on this film is it's it is i watched slumber party massacre i love slumber party massacre hell yeah here's what's fascinating about all that series they're all written and directed by women. The Slumber you know, Party Massacre is all written and directed. They're all written and directed by women. So the first one is written by a woman. The woman went on to write. Uh, I think the woman who directed the first one went on to write Beethoven, the dog movie. You know what? Um, For some reason I know that, and I don't know why. And, and she wrote <laughs> yeah, something else the along the way. Connection. Yeah, that's weird. And, and what I found that was interesting about that was that this the slasher films that that was eighty two. So. A genre that is, you know, notoriously can be exploitative, and one of the problems that I sometimes have 
one of the problems I sometimes have with them is I feel like I don't enjoy all. I, I think that sometimes the attitudes towards women I don't appreciate as much. But what I found interesting about Slumber Party Massacre is you can tell uh, you can tell uh, women and men have different eyes when it comes to filmmaking, and we and I can usually not all the time, but I can a lot of times tell when a woman makes a film because it feels different than when a man makes a film. There's a different rhythm to it. And the reason why I think sometimes it puts people off or people are, is, is we just don't see it enough, right? So it stands out to me when I can tell a woman made a film because I don't get to see enough <laughs> movies made by women, which is, you know, a Hollywood problem. Um, but there were just moments in it that I thought, man, this is a movie that's full of naked girls and naked girls getting killed and stuff. But there was this feminine energy to it that I enjoyed. There, there's a moment where... The two guys are, are talking to like this woman by a van, right? And they walk off, and she gets yanked into the van. Yes, and they're right, walking right toward, towards the beginning. Yeah, and they're mm-hmm. walking towards the camera, and you can see her kind of in the window over the shoulder. It's almost a gag, right? Where like she's yeah. being attacked. But what struck me was then she puts the camera in with her, and what went from being a gag. Uh, you know, these guys not noticing this murder happening behind them turn into a legitimate, like, woman's fear, right? My wife tells me all the time, you know, she gets her keys out. When it's dark, she has her keys in her hand in case somebody's in her backseat, right? Like, it, it, yeah. felt like she, it felt like she was taking, she was taking, I felt in that movie, I felt the fear of the women. And what was also interesting about that movie is it's just a guy doing it. Mm-hmm. There's no mask. There's no monster. He did, it's just some incel. It's, that's just, yeah, it's just a guy with a drill. Right. He's going around drilling people. There's no there's no monstrosity to him other and, than he's a man, and which I thought looks, was very interesting. He looks exact like if somebody told you there's a movie about a dude with a giant drill that's going around killing women, he looks exactly like what you would picture in your head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And so while I didn't like, I didn't love love the movie because it's just not. Like I said the, the, those type of slasher films aren't a hundred percent my thing. I really appreciated that it it did feel like it was coming from a different place, kind of in the same way how you know Fast Times at Ridgemont High is a teen sex comedy, but it's directed by a woman, and so it just feels a little different, and and comes at it from a different angle. And I thought this, I thought the the fear of the women was very felt more real to me than in some of the movies where they're just props to be killed, if that makes I sense. I agree. A hundred percent. And I never, I didn't know because Shout Factory just put out a, a fantastic edition of this that included the action figure uh, of the, the killer. Right. But, you know, I saw this years and years and years ago and it, for some reason it stood out to me because I tended to not be a big fan of killers without gimmicks. I like right. Freddy, I like Jason, but there's a whole slew of movies where it is just sort of some dude, like Maniac, or, or things yeah, where... It, there's the Italians no, have some of those, too. Yeah, and I, those, those are some of my favorite slashers. I mean, as much as I, yeah. obviously, I, I love... Chad, have you seen Maniac? Never seen Maniac. I highly suggest Absolutely that watch it. I recommend the original, and I recommend and the, remake the remake with yeah, and Elijah the remake. Wood. Yeah. I've seen Maniac Cop. Does that count? Uh, well, I mean, I mean it, I it, it certainly Cop, counts for our list, but it's yeah, totally that was experience. Maniac Cop was part of the Bruce, uh, you know, the Bruce. You, once you see, once you once you're out of Evil Dead movies as a teenager, you start for the other everything. Bruce Campbell movies. Yes, 
And eventually you find yourself watching Crime Wave. I, that's exactly yeah. what I was getting ready to or say. You, which or you nobody... watch Intruder and you're like, what? what? Wait, he's in it for 30 <laughs> Wait, seconds. Yeah. Is Crime Wave? Is it Crime Wave or Intruder where it's in the grocery store? Intruder is the, Intruder grocery, is okay. the grocery store. Crime Wave actually Crime came before Wave. Evil Dead. Crime Wave was Crime Wave came after Evil Dead. Crime Wave was directed by Sam Raimi and written by the Coen Brothers. And it's Weird. not good. And it's not good. It Which is, is right shocking. After Evil Dead because the uh, Joel was Cohen right was after? yeah I, I yeah because yeah, Joel Cohen Joel Cohen was an editor on Evil Dead. Um, Joel Cohen actually worked on Evil Dead, and so they've been friends for a long time. Sam yeah. shows up in several Coen Brothers movies. I love and everybody involved in the making of Crime Wave. And it's I awful. We'll say that movie is garbage. <laughs> it's real awful. Uh, here's one that people were really shocked when I told them that I hadn't seen it, which was uh, 1984's Fright Night. Oh, wow. Which I, I wrote down is Rear Window, uh, is, a, is a horror version of Rear Window, and also a way better version of Lost Boys. Um, I, I, I really, because <laughs> I, I, I'm not a fan of Lost Boys, but... I, I'm not a I'm not a retroactive Schumacher apologist like people are being right now. Um, and uh, but I really liked Fright Night. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I like that one. I like Lost yeah. Boys better, but that's you know that's neither here. Nor I don't know which one great. I like better, but I, Fright Night is is an excellent movie. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I I, I love a a decent vampire movie. Well, because I watched that, and I watched uh, Horror of Dracula, or I guess they just call it Dracula, the um, Hammer film. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, back-to-back, which are both just, you know, which is probably the best. I'm not a huge Dracula fan, I'm going to tell you. I don't like the novel, and but uh, I really, Horror of Dracula was great. Um, I, but again, I prefer the Hammer Draculas, the Christopher Lee Dracula. Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm talking my about. guy. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, because yeah. this those one has the Christopher ones... Lee and Peter Cushing and Michael Goff. Um, which is awesome. So it's got got Alfred in it too. The, um, those are the ones I was watching with my grandmother, like on local TV in Wilmington, when I discovered horror. So I mean, those well, Hammer ones are it. But again, though, that's all about to me. That's all about the look of the film. Yes, right. Style. Like that, that movie it's does style. That movie does, that movie doesn't scare me. You know, I didn't find that movie frightening. It did when I was a kid. Yeah. Um. Now. You know, not so much. It, it's entertaining. There's nothing. Uh, but that's another thing. As you get older, the things that scare you become different. When you're a little kid, Jason Voorhees scares you. When you're older, uh, you know, finding out your 401k has been drained by your <laughs> fucking did you see, crooked employer. Did you see Searching? Did you see Searching? Did you watch Searching with John Cho? It's not, I wouldn't call it a horror movie, but it's a, as a parent... It's horrifying because <laughs> it's it's a it's about a guy who the uh, John Cho his daughter goes missing and the entire thing is done on his computer screen like oh, the entire wow. thing plays on his computer screen it, that sounds cheesy but they work it real well and um, but as a parent it's just a it's a it's a nightmare um, it's it's a nightmare well of that's film. what's uh, the uh, what's the Kiefer Sutherland movie where his uh, is just the vanishing the vanishing yeah, yeah. which is, which is yeah. terrifying and, and yes. unsettling. Uh, yeah, but, and, but, and a remake, I believe. Not, yeah, uh, yeah, it is a yeah. remake. Not often included in horror, but it, it evokes those feelings that horror looks to, to dig up, I think. Another Very movie that movie. is not in the horror genre at all, but fucking horrifies me more than virtually any horror movie, Compliance. 
Have you guys oh, seen okay. that? I haven't seen. I know what it is, but I haven't seen it. No, I'm not um, familiar with it. With uh, it, Dream, that movie Dream of Walker, me up for thing. a week. Yeah. It, it just. And again, it's not really horror, so it's not. It doesn't really yeah. apply. But um, well, it's based on a true story that is. That's horrific, what really so. fucked me up. I think. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yes. Yeah, about that girl that got strip searched at the McDonald's, right? Um, yeah, but it's pretty bad. Yeah, it, yeah, no, yeah. it's fucked up. Yeah, I, re- I remember reading the real story, so I don't think I ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you've read the story, you pretty much know the movie, but it's it's yeah. pretty pretty messed up. So now that a little bit of time has passed. Um, mm-hmm. Would you guys have different answers for what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. Like, if you're talking like, you know, what? I am going to change my answer to Hellraiser, the first one, because that movie that. that movie messed me up when I saw it, and uh, it still kind of weirds me out. Like, it's I don't know. It's a very strange movie. <laughs> it's well, it's I think it's the purest. Clive Barker that we've gotten on screen for obvious yes. reasons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And boy, yes. Clive Barker is challenging. Uh, yeah, he's a difficult one to adapt um, similar to, to King. Well, um, and not, not even just the adaptation, but just his content. Like, just reading his books, I can sit down and read a Stephen King book anytime. I can pop it up on the screen, I can pop open a, a, a physical paperback whatever and just enjoy a Stephen King story Clive Barker is something that you have to sort of gird your loins to dive into Mm -hmm. and when you're done it's going to sit with you because he's going to you know as much as Stephen King has written some fucked up shit Clive Barker really gets into the taboos of the human condition so yes sexuality a, and sensuality and I had a friend who was hired to adapt a Clive Barker story like 15 years ago and never ended up getting made Clive liked it but never ended up getting made and he texted me or maybe called me I don't know it was long ago he probably just called me he said I just wrote a scene where a guy fucked a wall mm-hmm. yeah he's like he's like I just had to write a scene where a guy made love to a wall he was like it was the weirdest thing I've ever written but here and, we are and you know, that's so. That's part of what makes him so compelling to me is he he to me is almost on a different plane from the rest of us because these concepts he come up comes up with they are you know other horror authors manage to find things that that scare us and base fears and whatever else he finds new things to scare us that we like we already knew we'd be scared of giant sharks or guys in in (laughs) hockey masks with machetes or whatever but we didn't know we'd be scared of a demon that was made from the mixed poop and semen of some ancient wizard like i didn't think about that one but yeah i think the thing that sets hellraiser apart is that idea of pleasure and pain and sensuality and horror all intermingling together and how um in in pinhead and, and in the cenobites like it you know he is uh he is the victim he is the villain he is uh you know he's going to get you off and and also torture you it's um incredibly complex and so it's like you can't you can't look at hellraiser in the same plane as Freddy and Jason. No. It's a, it's a completely different, deeper um, 
based yeah, on watched, experience. I watched that for the first time a couple months ago. And, yeah. and at the end, uh, on a more base level, at the end, they're not destroyed, they're just banished. Mm-hmm. They're still out there for the next person who picks up that compelling puzzle box that I anybody could relate to wanting to sit down and like anybody who's ever played with a Rubik's cube, you get it. Yeah. But then there's and so the, much beyond that. But also that temptation of the taboo and to keep pushing that taboo a little farther and a little farther, you know, is kind of what they're all about is when you, when you kind of max it out and you've pushed it to the point where, you know, as a person in, in good standing, you you know, that far as you can push it. Right. That's where that comes into play. I still say United 93, but I will say the filmmaker that has scared me the most in my life is David Lynch. Like, David Lynch, to me, is the scariest filmmaker I've ever encountered. Yeah. I would love him to make, like, I would, I, you know, I mean, Eraserhead, I think, is a full-on horror movie. Yeah, oh, it, yeah, it definitely is. But there are moments, there are moments in Firewalk, there's a moment in Firewalk with me is probably the most scared I've ever been in the theater. And there are moments in Mulholland Drive that are terrifying. And he's just, there's that, everything in David Lynch is just a little off kilter. And he really, he's very, I don't know, he just invokes very animalistic fears in me. Uh, that, that, you know, twin, to me, Twin Peaks, the actual, just the show itself, is more frightening than I'd say 95% of horror movies I've seen, to me personally, you know. Um, well, and that's the other thing where horror does cast such a wide net is depending on your own personal fear discomforts or whatever there's something out there to get you yes Mm -hmm. that is also true that is also true you know and talking about you know i I initially said uh, the uh the strangers um and you know i don't know if that's the scariest movie i've ever seen or, or the movie that scared me the most but my my thing uh, is like home invasions, and particularly the um, the idea of the random home invasion um, from you know the what I used to do for a living and things like that. Uh, you know, I've I've seen things that have just caused that to be more of a personal fear for myself, and so the idea of people. Uh, coming in to your home, your sanctuary, your safe place, and violating that safety and hurting you, that is my most, like, basest fear. Um, So a movie like The Strangers is uh, something that that really scares me. Um, Also, uh, oh, God, what's the name of that damn movie? Um, When a Stranger Calls. Uh, when a Stranger Calls is one of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen. I saw it a few years before I reached babysitting age. Um, oh, is that the in, I'm inside the house? Yeah, the calls okay. are coming from inside yeah, the yeah. house. Now, the middle of that movie it drags and it bogs down. It's not perfect. But the beginning and the end are truly fucking terrifying. Yeah. Because she goes from being the babysitter to being the mom. Um, that is one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. I saw it first when I was probably 10 or 11. Actually, my mom's cousin produced it, um, Doug Chapin. And 
So she was like, oh, Doug's got a new movie. Let's watch it. And I watched it. I'm like, why in the fuck are you letting me watch this? This movie's <laughs> terrifying. Um, and that is one that I have carried with me for my entire life. And every single time I have ever babysat, that movie was with me, you know? So we're getting to the point where we've got to step things up. So what I want to okay. do is, Chad, you've got your list. We're going to go. Yeah, into I want to run a couple more. Bites. We're going to go into yeah. speed round mode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just want to hear what you think about a couple of these movies. Um, uh, the most recent one I watched, and I had seen the first one, but I watched the second Conjuring, talking about high, more highbrow, I guess, studio horror. Um, do you guys like the Conjuring movies? I love all of those. I love yeah. anything like that. Like I liked the Nun. I liked Annabelle. Like. I like all yeah. of those movies in the the Conjuring universe. I'm I'm a fan. Okay. Cuz the Conjuring I can't remember if I saw the second one, but I yeah. really enjoyed the first one. Um, the, see, the second one is the one that's uh in London. Yes. And yes. the girl ends up wrapped up around the piping in the wall. Yeah. Yeah. The Enfield the Enfield haunting. Yes. I I love uh most of the Conjuring movies, but but yeah. definitely the uh, the the, the central ones. ones. I, I'm, a I'm just wondering because because that's the type of film we're talking about where like it feels like I again, but uh, to your point, guys, and you're clearly right, money wise. But like this was a studio film, but by having you know Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, and then the first one has Lily Taylor in it too, I think, right? And like, well, it, dude, it's crazy watching the first one over again and realizing she was the star of the first one. Wilson, yeah, she really is. The the, yeah. the couple, the I can't remember the the. The Warrens. Warrens. the Warrens, the Warrens, the Warrens, Ernie, they—they're not like if this they're is supporting. your, if yeah. this is yeah, if this is your typical poltergeist haunting movie, they're not the main characters. It's wild to go back and watch it and realize that now. Okay, yeah, uh, I, I saw that in the theater and it made me scream. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's ni- scary. Ninety nine society. Oh god, it's been a long time from the since director I've seen of it. Ride of Reanimator and the Dentist. I've yeah, it's uh, it. it's Frank Hen- Henenlutter. Um, Brian Yunza is the director. Oh uh, well, yeah, um, he directed Bride of Reanimator and the Dentist. It's it's basically like teen movie where a guy finds out that his parents are in like a, a cannibal sex cult. Yeah. Um, it go. It's one of those movies that like goes. It's kind kind of like Get Out did in a way where okay, 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 and then all of a sudden for the last twenty minutes it's just fucking insane. Yeah, and all I remember turns... is a big pile of melting people or something. Yes, yes, it yeah. turns into these this blood orgy where they're like sucking each other dry and stuff. It's uh, really crazy. Um, I watched Poltergeist for the first time, which for a kid of my generation, wait, is what? Wow. That's Spielberg. What? So that's Spiel- well, uh, watching it, I realized that the controversy about who really directed that movie is legit. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Like but I don't his names into on it. it. Come on! I got res- well. He didn't direct it though. But no, I, I know. But I have respect for Toby Hooper. But more than one shot in that movie was Spielberg's framing. Uh, yeah. No, I had never seen it because as a kid, my par- even my parent, my parents saw that saw the look of it as a kid, and I can't imagine. I can't believe people were watching it as a child because that freaked me out. Um, that clown then, got me when I was a kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the tree. Yeah. Um, Everybody the, talks yeah. about the, the clown, the tree but the tree is what fucked me yeah. up more. Yes. Yeah. But the clown was um, scary. I watched The Dead Zone for the first time. Um, I haven't seen it in years. I, didn't I watch thought the it's show. 
I really liked it, but I had seen the show, so the movie didn't surprise me as much. I did feel like it fell in a little bit into Nicholson and the Shining situation, where Walken's great in the movie, but he already starts kind of he already starts off as Walken. So as things get kind of crazy, there's not as much of a shift. Right, right? he's right. already kind of out there, just like you know. The, to me, one of the biggest criticisms of the Shining is that Nicholson's already nuts. Yes, and so he doesn't have far to go. Technically, yeah. the TV movie Shining is be- is a better adaptation. Yeah, no, and I've and I've seen as well, and yeah. I've seen that as well. It's, I know it's a better adaptation. Um, let's see. I watched Prom Night for the first time. I thought that was boring. Um, yeah, I mean, that's not it's my fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I watched Blood and Black Lace, and the New York Rip- New York Ripper was cool. New York yeah. Ripper is absolutely fantastic. Uh. Uh, I also wa- I watched Hello Mary Lou Prom Night Two only because, as a kid, I just that phrase. Yeah. Got I love the, the title ads. of that movie. Yeah. I remember zero things about it. I've seen it probably twice. Uh, I I just remember it not not being you know. There's nothing really unique about it. But yeah, yeah. I love the title of that movie. And I, I giggle watched, every time I think about it. I watched Inside on Nicole's advice, and that would be real fucked up. Um, but it's <laughs> fucking good. No, it's it good. Will it's just fuck real fucked you up. up. Yeah, yeah, it what, makes what you what feel is, bad. I don't even know. What is what is this? Uh, it's a uh, French movie. Um, it's, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's about this pregnant woman. Uh, she loses her husband in a car accident. Uh relatively early in her pregnancy and now she's coming to term uh she's going to be delivering her baby very soon oh i think i saw is this streaming somewhere right now it may be but like this woman knocks on her door and read this terrorizes her yeah Yeah. i read this description the other night i was like she wants the baby yeah Yeah. i was like i don't think i can handle a pregnant lady thing right Uh, it was Uh, pretty rough it was pretty rough it's as bad um, as you're imagining. <laughs> like you have to understand, it, it's gonna like it's gonna make you, it's gonna put you in a shit mood. Like you yeah, have to be in I'm the right not, place for it. I, but I'm, it's fantastic. It's very it's, well done. It's I'm, not Martyrs Dave, but it's uh, you know it's in that general direction. Yeah, see, um, I'm, I'm not yeah. feeling that kind of stuff at uh, all. Lately. I saw, I watched Castle Freak. Oh, Castle yeah. Freak. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's fun. The movie's fun. It's fun. I watched the original House of Wax with Vincent Price because I was trying to do a whole kind of gamut. Okay, um, I don't know if anybody else will agree with me. I enjoy the remake. Me too. I fucking love I, that remake. I didn't see it. Didn't Nobody see it. else likes it. I saw it Nobody the theater. likes that Twice. movie. I I really enjoy it, and I have watched it recently to answer the any questions anybody might have. Yes, I have watched yeah. it within the past couple of years. I think it's really fun. I like it. I and then a couple quick ones. A couple quick ones that I watched that people I watched Candyman for the first time. Um, oh, hell yeah. Candyman I, is... I can't God. quite decide if it's racist or not. I came to the conclusion that it's yes and no. Um, well, if you it's... take it purely in the context of the story being told, I don't feel that it is. But if you take it in the context of who made it... In the 90s, then, and yeah, all that you know, stuff. But, so that's but, why I'm looking forward to the I'm looking forward to the Jordan Peele-produced yes, version. Absolutely, um, but I, I love I Candyman. Ne- I had never seen Phantasm before. I watched that. Um, that was the boy. first weird horror movie I saw. Like the first one that I just it it didn't make sense to me. I didn't understand what was happening, and the disorientation yeah. was part of how it scared me. It's why I've got it tattooed on my freaking arm. Um, 
I I enjoyed it. I I enjoyed the visuals more than I enjoyed the movie. Well, and that's like, but I, that's that's literally yeah. you just nailed down yeah. that movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just it looks really cool. It looks really creepy. The movie itself I could take or leave, but the but it looks awesome. But and, and again, uh, it's people who are passionate. It's yeah. friends who got together and made this movie because they wanted to make this movie. Yeah, and I watched. Uh, and yeah, I watched Hell. Was. Yeah, yes, I watched the first two Hellraisers. The first two Hellraisers to me are like one story. I I love to yeah. watch them together. I was told um, to stop. So I don't. You're agree fine. With you're that. fine. Yeah, I love I love the subsequent ones. Some of them, but you're also fine in just watching one and two. Three uh, is is fun, but it does not have the depth. Not even close. Three to is the, the... first. Two. Hollywood it's studio version of Hellraiser. Very, very much. Three is, hey, people like Cenobites, let's make a shitload of and, and it in this movie. It's fun, but it's, yeah. it's shit. And exactly. also, also worth noting, first R-rated movie I saw in the theater. Nice. And yeah, I will... like, Go ahead, I appreciate three, but, you know, if you never watch it, you're not, you're, you're not going to be like. You're going to miss a banging soundtrack, though. Yeah. Chad, go, oh, go, go, really okay. cool go look up the Hellraiser 3 soundtrack and you will okay. thank me. Excellent. Uh, I'll run through real quick a couple that I, I didn't care for, just and then I'll be done. Um, I watched The Hills Run Red. I thought it was well done, a little exploitative for me, but I hate film nerds depicted on screen that way. I don't think it's real, and uh, that always bothers me, so that was just a personal thing. Um, the way the film guys were presented in that, I thought was uh, I haven't seen it. I don't I ridiculous. Don't yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've seen the hills have eyes. I've never seen the hills. Uh, I think you've seen it. We have it. Uh, yeah. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night. I thought was stupid. I love Silent Night, but I've always wanted to see it since I was a kid. You know? Oh, you should uh, watch part two if you think that's stupid. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then finally, I made it. I. I I watched House of a Thousand Corpses, and I'm sorry, I just can't hang. I can't hang with zombie. I can't do it. I just his I style gives me a, rejects because that's his style like gives me opus. his style. If well, it's anything, his style gives me a headache. Here, here is I, I will, saw his Halloween, and I despised it. I will I, honestly, see, I hate his Halloween, and I hate his Halloween too even more. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I don't him. hate the first Halloween. I like. I like the first. Maybe one. hates too strong, but I am not a fan. I love House of a Thousand Corpses. I love Devil's Rejects. Um, I love Three from Hell. Maybe I just couldn't get through like Chris Hardwick I, and Rain Wilson look, for an I hour. Un- like, I understand anybody who does not like House of a Thousand Pieces, but holy I, shit, that's I, Chris Hardwick. I honestly, I no. honestly <laughs> do recommend you watch Devil's Rejects. Yeah, okay. I'm not okay. saying you're going to like it, right? But I really need to know. Okay. You it's yeah. a completely different experience. It's a different totally style. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's totally so far, I've seen fucking garbage. Um, so far, I've seen Halloween and now House of a Thousand. I couldn't even finish House of a Thousand Corpses to be honest with you. I just couldn't. Just couldn't get through it. Um, the only Rob found- Zombie movies I I did not like um, uh, Lords of Salem and Thirty One. Yeah. I could give or take. I didn't. Thirty-one hate it, is a music video but, that goes on for an hour and a half. Well, it's almost like it's the sequel to House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, in a weird uh, way, yeah, like spiritually, not. I, it, yeah, it's it's just it's I don't a know. similar style. Yeah, but yeah, I had Christine on my list, but Dave apparently doesn't like that movie. I don't. Um, 
I love Christine. And um, Bird with the Crystal Plumage was the other Italian one I had on my list. Um, Bird with the Crystal Plumage I thought was great because it, it has this, uh, that's the Argento film that has just an amazing sequence. The film itself was okay, but the, there's an amazing sequence at the beginning, beginning where he's locked in an atrium while he, see, he sees a woman being murdered. Yeah, um, it's been that. That seems I watched amazing. that one when I went through my like I'm gonna discover uh, yeah. Italian horror phase, and I haven't watched it since then. So it's kind of a it's kind of a Don't. police procedural, but it's got this opening sequence really where this dude like thinks he sees a woman being murdered, and he comes in, but he's like stuck between two automatic doors, but that the power's off. Okay, yeah. So he can't get in to help her. So I thought that scene, the movie was fine. It's, it reminded me of Zodiac a little bit. But again, I, I wrote Italian killers are somewhat basic. Hats, gloves, masks. That's yeah. about it. You know, like no no hockey mask, no special thing about it. Um, no gimmicks, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Give me my it, gimmicks. It, and again, I, I enjoy the gimmicks, but also there is something I think scarier, like Nicole was saying, um, without them. Uh, I want a guy with yeah. giant fake spider arms and a bag right. over his head. I, like I said... <laughs> I only watch no, movies. No, no fake uh, spider arms. That's Veronica. Oh, gosh, you're right. Never mind. I don't yeah, I did want not, that. No, I, don't, I did not put that on the list. Don't I already, do it. I had already seen Veronica. Oh, so I, do I, it. I, already saw, I already saw Veronica. Oh, so I only watch movies I hadn't seen Ugh. before. So that's why, you know, there's no there's no uh, uh, Veronica on here. It obviously would have been to 10. And because um, that movie is, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and are talk uh, about passion. <laughs> that there is some passion there, yeah, I guess. Somewhere. I don't know. I it's, it's passion on the floor. I passionately screamed about it for a couple of hours. It is a very it's a very hateful and terrible movie. Okay. So we gotta wrap yeah. it up. Here's yeah. what I wanna do to wrap it up. I wanna walk yep. I wanna go around. I'm not gonna walk because that would pull my headphones out of my computer. Yeah. I wanna go yeah. around and I want each of you to recommend one horror movie. I don't care if it's something you think people have seen or not. Just your recommendation, which horror movie do you want people to watch? Ryan, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Behind the Mask. It's an interesting documentary slash uh, mockumentary slash horror film uh, about a slasher. And uh, to me, that movie really, like, I don't know, it blew me away. And uh, that just kind of popped in my head right away So because I just watched it recently. So, yeah, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Yeah, uh, that would be mine. All right, Chad. Right, it's, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sound pretty basic here, but the the one that probably scared me the most, at least as a kid, and I think is actually a great movie, is the first Nightmare on Elm Street. I actually think the first Nightmare is a great movie. Yeah, and, yeah. and like, it think, is a genuinely scary movie. And it's ge- it's legitimately even as an adult, it's it's terif- it's ter- it's frightening. The imagery, uh, Wes, um, people under, people under the stairs is on my list. I haven't seen that mm-hmm. yet, but. But Wes That's was great. actually Wes was a very good filmmaker, um, and that movie had so many images: the 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 girl in the bag in the hallway, um, like the, the, just the vibe of it, the music. That movie, that movie to this day, like a lot of these films that I talked about, they didn't scare. Me. I thought they were cool. I thought they were creepy. I thought they were funny. I thought they were just neat looking. I, I won't say any of these really terrified me, but I still probably Nightmare on Elm Street still freaks me out. The first one, the, the well, rest you of know- it's kind of become a thing because there's been so many sequels and Freddy is yeah. such an icon um, yeah. that it's it's sort of softened the blow. But the yeah. idea of someone that you cannot get away from because yeah. eventually you will have to go to sleep is genuinely frightening. I absolutely agree. Yeah, uh, did, just a did you do New Nightmare? 
Yes, I've se- yes, I've seen all of those. Okay, yeah, okay. I was just saying yeah. that one's like underrated in my opinion. Because of uh, the the major franchises I've seen like other than Hellraiser if you count that, like I've seen all the major franchises most of the films, you know, so like those are the ones that I, you know, like the Fridays and the Nightmares and Halloweens and stuff. I've seen most of those. Um uh uh, not all the Friday the Thirteenth because I'm, I'm not the biggest fan, so I haven't gone through all of them yet. I haven't actually seen Jason Takes Manhattan. Uh, I remember the poster, but uh, I, I never, I never saw the movie. Um, I saw the remake because I know the girl that was like the lead girl in it, so I went and saw that. But um, besides that, like, uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of those. But yeah, that would be the one to me that like still would I say of the like kind of classic horror movies, at least that were classic when I grew up with them. Uh, that still is terrifying. I'm going to go with Event Horizon. Oh, nice. Uh, I think it has a lot of style visually. It's very slick. Uh, And it is also genuinely scary. Uh, I put it up there with Hellraiser and Exorcist as legitimately unsettling, scary movies. I I think that's one that most people, if they're open to watching something scary at all, w- would dig on some level. And plus, Sam Neill, come on, anything. Yeah, with Sam I saw. Neill. I yeah. saw that when it came out, and I don't remember much of it. But since I'd already seen it, it wasn't on my list to watch. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But, but I've, I have seen it, and I do remember it. I, I don't remember loving it, but I do remember it being pretty freaky. All right, Nicole. You're gonna wrap. I'll go with. Uh, you're gonna wrap this I'll up. I'll go with high tension. Okay, good. I was afraid you were gonna oh, pick yeah, apart the blood mama. High tension because you know we didn't get a chance to talk about it. Um, you know, are there issues with the movie? Yeah, there's some plot holes, but um, I mean, it's it's absolutely wonderfully gory and it's fucking scary. I love high tension. Watch it. One quick question: Do I have to watch a Saw movie? Mm, the, first you don't one. the first one is yeah a i think movie. the first one yeah but okay. you know i gave up after three or four i've like pretty much seen them all but the first one's like must watch in my opinion yeah. i knew the guy who a guy who directed two three and four uh for a little while and but i never i just never went and saw him i <laughs> feel like saw guy. saw is like the star trek movie franchise every other one is pretty good right yeah, and then um, he went on and made uh, what we call it, oh, repo. That's but right. yeah, the the Get first back. the first saw I definitely recommend. And also, yeah, if you haven't watched Repo, the genetic opera yet, you you need to get. Hey, I think did we talk about it? I have. Uh, yeah, problems. we did. We did. I understand. I have some personal problems with that movie. All but, right. Uh, well. Um, yeah, oh, well, thank you, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Again, I'm not trying. Uh, it was not my intention to be a dick. I really have been. Enjoying, oh no, not at all. I really awesome. have been enjoying the stuff that I've watched. No, I I um, love a spirited conversation. But it's not about something. Horror. But I've never quite. I'm understanding it more, and as someone who has seen so many movies, I know and knows so much about movies. It was I realized that I just just had a blind spot um, because I, it was something that I just didn't care for, and so through recommendations from you guys, and and again, some of these were just like, "Fuck, I've never seen Fright Night," you know, um, uh, or Poltergeist. I just watched some movies that I've never seen, and I, I, I'm I, I still can't count myself as a, I won't. I'm not subscribing to Fangoria anytime soon. But um, well, you I shouldn't still... because it costs like fifteen dollars an issue. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's oh, that's really it. okay. All right. Well, either way, again, I'm a child of the '80s. So, uh, but um, and, uh, but I did enjoy all the yeah all the movies that I mentioned. I really enjoyed. And and that's that's I think the magic of it really is that 
you know, even if you're not necessarily somebody who just seeks out horror movies because they're yeah. horror movies, there there is a nook in that genre for everyone. Like, even my mom, who's, like, one of the most gentle, pure souls in the world, she's she's from time to time found something that qualifies as a horror movie that she sat down and enjoyed. I, I think it's a, it's a far-reaching genre that can appeal to lots of different people in lots of different ways. And honestly... If we could all just love horror, I think we could bring the whole world together in peace and harmony. Well, yes. I picked the right time. I, I obviously with with during quarantine, I picked the right time to watch horror movies uh, because <laughs> you can just watch the news. I said yeah. things aren't bleak enough outside. Right, I right. To, uh, I had to watch some dude get his face eaten by a spider. Well, like or Nicole like said, said it's earlier, healthy it's escapism. Yeah, exactly. It can be. It can. It can be. Although there were some nights where I was like, mm, not tonight. Well, guys, this was a fantastic conversation. Uh, Listeners, I hope you had your pens and pencils or your notepads or whatever digital things you put notes in to write down some of these titles. Uh, Before we go, something else for you to write down. Uh, All these guys are going to tell you where you can find them online and what they are up to now. Uh, Chad, lay it down. I am at Chad J. Shonk, all one word, on Twitter. I have two podcasts currently. I have Needless Things Presents Execute Chapter 66 here on the Needless Things podcast family where we, uh, three of us, read Star Wars novels and we talk about them. It's normally a PG-13 show, but we just recorded an episode about a very bad book, and that one will have an explicit tag. Um, <laughs> and uh, not a joke. We went off. Uh, and then my, the, my new project is a project called A Feat of Lunatic Daring. is a podcast where my co-host Nick and I are going to be watching... Everything, asterisks, uh, but nearly everything that Jim Henson ever produced, and we're also at the same telling his story um, through a narrative. So it's kind of a, a a biography of Jim Henson, where most of the biography is us watching is a watch show of him watching his stuff. So it's a, a feat. You can just go to lunaticdaring.com to find all the info on that. Uh, Nicole, where can we find you? What are you up to? You can find me on Instagram at Battle Cougar, um, and you can find our new venture, Cadaver Candle Company, on Instagram at Cadaver Candle Co., uh, and also on Facebook, um, and we are making some really, really fantastic high-quality candles, so come check us out. And finally, Ryan Cadaver, uh, what do you, what's going on with you, man, aside from candle making? Uh, not, not nearly as much as usual, but, um, you know, uh, look up the casket creatures. We're going to try to do like a, uh, Halloween live stream, like everybody else. So you're going to have to pick <laughs> what you watch. Um, but uh, we're going to try to do like some actual, like, you know, different shit, not just us playing. Like we're going to try to add in some, some fun Halloween hijinks. So, uh, that should be interesting. And, uh, I have a new movie that will be coming out one day, but, uh, I don't want to talk too much about it because it's still, going to be a long time before it comes out. So, uh, in, in the for meantime, now, they can the still meantime, find Joe Stryker. Absolutely. Joe Stryker is available on Big Cartel. You just look at Joe Stryker, and uh, we're also on Facebook. Awesome. Thanks a lot, you guys, for sitting down having a great conversation about horror. And uh, we will be back next week with I don't even know what yet because times <laughs> are just crazy. You guys, thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the show, everybody. Thanks for playing along with Chad as as he gets into horror and figures out 
what is interesting to him and what is not. And, you know, we will be there every step of the way to give him recommendations, suggestions, and whatever else. Uh, and it's interesting because uh, next week I mentioned we're going to be watching Lucio Fulci's The Beyond. Or, or we already have and have already recorded it. Uh, so that's done. But it's funny because that's the sort of movie where we realize, you know, you could say, hey, this is something interesting. You can watch this. Check it out. But it's not for everyone, and we're all grown-ups and understand that not everything is for everyone. So if, you know, if Chad goes and watches The Beyond and is like, this is not for me, then nobody's heart is going to be broken. Like, we understand, yes, this this particular brand of Italian horror, the the Dayglow Alka-Seltzer variety, is, is not necessarily for everyone. Uh, but we had a great time talking about it, and that goes up next Friday. So please remember to uh, subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's so many different options now. I don't even know what they all are. I remember when it seemed like it was really, really important for me to put the Stitcher banner in every single post of the podcast. You know, after doing this for seven years now, I think. I, I can't even look back. It would be interesting to do an episode at some point in the future about how my production of the show has evolved and what I've learned and, and where I'm still stunted, I guess. But uh, I don't know. Until uh, we've got a lot of spooky stuff left to go this month, so we won't get into, into any boring technical episodes for quite some time. Thanks for listening, you guys. Tell your friends about us. I love you guys. You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.